Welcome to the Relentless Pursuit Podcast. A great task remains, and we all have a role we can play. But what do we do with the questions we have about missions, about walking with God, about ourselves? Well, here's a space for us to wrestle and discover together. We don't have to have it all figured out to take our next step. Today we have the privilege of hearing from Chris, a Chinese-American who, with his wife Michelle and two children, faithfully served in Central Asia for 14 years. During that time, Chris and his family devoted their service to an unreached Turkish Muslim people group. Chris and his family made their way back to the States in 2018, but continue to serve with pioneers while their children are attending college in Minnesota. By profession, Chris is a physician who is currently doing part-time work with telehealth while also serving for the Pioneers Orlando team. Chris is a thoughtful and wise leader within our org, and today's conversation is rich with truth and my word. I cannot wait for you guys to hear it. So let's jump right into this topic of risk with Chris. I am thrilled for our listeners to glean from your story, Chris. It's amazing and something that I pray is a guide for the many who are tuning in. So thanks so much for joining me today. It's a great privilege. Thanks, Emily. Hmm. Well, as you know, uh, this series that we're kicking off here is uh, with this idea of risk and suffering and how they are woven into our story as we relentlessly pursue God. So Chris, to get our minds in the right place for this conversation today, could we start by you defining risk for us? Because when I first hear this word, my mind goes to a place of like, thrill-seeking and adrenaline almost, or like eating raw cookie dough or whatever. But uh, we're going to come at this today from a biblical standpoint. So could you provide us with your definition, understanding of risk? Yeah, Emily, I think that uh, when we we consider risk uh, from a human point of view, we often think of it in terms of uh, our status or uh, actually in terms of the negative aspect about pain or loss. Mm. And uh, I think that when we think of the Bible, we come into this world in some sense already on the lost column because of sin. And uh, God offers us uh, a choice to be able to get out of that. In fact, I believe that there's a whole arc in the Bible from uh, that you could see clearly from Genesis 3 in the fall all the way out to Revelation, which talks about how uh, we have this opportunity to get out of this pit we're in, and it does involve uh, making choices. And so in some sense, what I'm saying is we all already are uh, on the the negative side of pain and loss uh, if we are in the world. Um, But in order for us to climb out of that, it does take certain choices, which involve Uh, other risks that sometimes we can't see entirely well because uh, we have eyes that are in the flesh. Uh, Through the Holy Spirit, I believe he can start opening our eyes to some of the possibilities uh, that um, can take us out of uh, the situation that we're in. I love that we are two minutes into this podcast and we are already talking about the arc that we can see throughout scripture. That's amazing, Chris. It sounds like what you're saying then is that one, 
we can't really avoid it. I mean, we, we all have to make these choices throughout our life, like you said. And I love that you already talked about where we see it in scripture. Um, can we hear a bit more about where you feel like we see this woven throughout God's story? Yeah, I th- uh, well, uh, you know, we have the fall starting Genesis chapter three, and God makes several predictions, uh, one of which, of course, is the offspring of the woman who will crush the serpent's head and then uh, be bitten on the heel. And that is the the clue that God already has a plan for us. But in the meantime, he says that we have to go through suffering. And uh, that's just the state that we're in right now. Um, in terms of what we want to see is, you know, we want to see that God has uh, some reason for us. He wants has a direction for us that we're not just here with no hope and 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 there's nothing that we can do. Um, and I think that uh, when I thought about uh, when from my own personal journey, when I came to the idea of missions, I, I just at that point, very simply looking at the Bible, it said, uh, "This is the purpose for what the world is." to do on the earth, which is to get everyone to know God. And from my point of view, that's worth everything else. Um, and then that, that changed my perception of uh, what was worthwhile in terms of, uh, at, at that time, I was looking at politics as my choice. Uh, but after I became a Christian, I realized um, that the only thing worth risking everything for is God. And so that helps change the direction of how we look at things. Hmm. So when you say risk everything for God, for you, that was, you know, uh, it sounds like it was to give up something. Um, Can we hear more about what you feel like when we risk it all for God? What do you feel like we are exchanging in that moment? Yeah, well, I have to admit, uh, in my own story, the initial uh, risk uh, equation was not so much uh, what I would give up. At that point, it was uh, I was gaining a certain purpose for my life, and I was fulfilling my duty, and I was looking at missions from a duty standpoint. Over time, uh, God has changed that point of view to looking more at um, seeing the world as there's this uh, world that we can see, and then there's the unseen world. And the Bible tells us that uh, what is unseen is, uh, is what lasts, and what is seen is going to pass away. And so that includes uh, a lot of the things we learn to value in life. And uh, in some ways, what I believe Satan teaches us to value and turns our eyes away from what God is telling us to value. In, in terms of understanding risk in that sense, it's, it goes back to the famous Jim Elliott quote, about, you know, he is no fool who uh, gives up everything um, to gain everything from God. And I think we, uh, you know, God tells us what's really valuable. It's not what we see in front of us. And so I, I guess it's, you know, if you wanted to explain it to someone who's new in their faith, or someone who doesn't understand, it's, you know, the things that you're looking at that you value, that is not what's real. That's not what's going to last. Uh, but for Christians as a mature, then you start to understand that uh, you are gaining much more than anything that, you, that you've lost. That's what the Apostle Paul said when he talked about his ministry. Um, and I think that uh, that becomes more true as you take risks, as you do things that are uncomfortable, that you, as you step outside of your comfort zone, 
And that's all part of the process of shedding your old self. Chris, I'm so glad you said that. I I would hate for there to be kind of this concept of, oh, following God is just all of this loss. It's so much loss of something I'm giving up. And the risk um, makes me have to say no to all these things. And while there that might be true that there are things that we we do give up as we like like what you said, we take on the new self as we grow. But I love that your mind is camped out around no, when I said yes to the risk, when I said yes to God, I was gaining perspective. I was gaining a purpose. And there was so much fruit that came yeah, from think, your life as a result. Yeah, that's that is part of the main point. I guess when we talk about risk, you know, honestly, my wife and I, whenever we we go share at churches about what we've seen God do, and people, you know, tell us they admire us for the things that we gave up and the risks we took, we're, we're just embarrassed because honestly, we feel like we gained so much more than the world thinks we gave up. We, we never felt any clear sense of loss as much as uh, there was a great deal of joy in uh, seeing the things God do in front of our eyes. It's not to say there weren't difficulties. It's not to say uh, there were things that, you know, in some ways we wish we could have had. For example, we our kids growing up didn't have a lot of things that kids have in the United States. Uh, but uh, we, our kids are adults now, and um, we remind them all the time that they have, in their growing up, received things that so many of their peers uh, will never have. And, and so in the balance, we're in the positive column. Chris, I am so glad that you have given us this perspective of risk, not necessarily being all of these no's and, and, and giving up so many things, but the perspective you're sharing is that the risks that we that we take on when we follow God, there's an invitation for so much, so much that we're um, getting to acquire and, and there's fruitfulness from that. So can we hear a bit more about um, kind of that process of you, of your perspective really shifting on that? Yeah, I think one way that's really shifted for me is, you know, I did not grow up in a Christian family. I became a believer as a freshman in college and, and immediately just reading the Gospels, I knew that uh, the Gospel was the way that God planned to save the world. And so that became my ambition. However, at that time, I kind of saw myself as a, as a good person. And uh, over time, you know, God has convicted me of ways that I fall short. And and I'm the kind of person, unfortunately, often has to learn these lessons the hard way. And one thing that's become abundantly clear to me is that the Christian life involves transformation. Um, you know, oftentimes we talk about being born again in a technical sense or glibly. Uh, but in my own experience and overseas, you realize that it's not about getting people to say a prayer and saying they believe in Jesus. It's about helping them on a road that leads to transformation to becoming more and more like Christ. Um, so, you know, back to one of the things I said earlier about risk, I, I do believe that uh, if anything, there is a risk of staying where we are and being people untransformed. And that's, uh, you know, I, I've, I've created this kind of image in my mind of everyone we're on boats and the boats are all sinking, but not everyone notices that. And in order to escape from the boats, you need to find the right way off. Uh, but a lot of people just cling to their boats. 
and eventually will disappear beneath the waves. And so I think, uh, you know, part of what Jesus calls us to is to be disciples and, uh, and to be transformed. And that takes us into places where some people say it's risky. Some people call it a wilderness. Some people call it trials. Uh, but as Peter says, uh, those trials are a blessing. Oh boy, I feel a little speechless right now. <laughs> I feel like I just need to, you know, put this on a poster above my bed so that I can, my mind can just like reflect on this. I, Chris, I'm so thankful for this perspective. I, I feel like this is the kind of, uh, you know, chant you'd have in a locker room, like before a big game of, of this message of, man, we don't desire to just stay in one place when we begin to follow God. So I I think the illustration you're painting of how risk invites us deeper and it invites transformation. We are meant to be transformed. This is such an invitation. And for missions, this is wildly appropriate for us to fix our eyes on of the point being that we can provide um, others with this incredible transformation that that God enables us to have. So can we hear a bit more about your time on the field? I know I'm eager to hear about it because 14 years, Chris, I'm sure talk about transformation in your life and your wives, your children, people around you. Can we hear more about um, the way that risk you feel like really transformed you in the field? Yeah, I, I guess I would start by saying and answer that, that question, Emily, there's so many things to say, but I would start with just um, saying that God was gracious. He, he opened the doors. And when we walked through the doors of Pioneers, my wife and I felt like, wow, it felt like we were actually home because we were surrounded by people who uh, thought like we did, who valued the church like we did, who had passion for God. Uh, these are things, you know, neither my wife and I grew up in Christian homes and even in our in our own uh, home church, you know, it felt like we, we'd rarely get uh, that kind of feeling. Uh, not not saying bad things about our church. It's just that in, in just in terms of the ordinary sort of way that people just look at church, uh, that wasn't what we sensed going into pioneers. And so when we got to the field, we had this sense of excitement. What is God going to do? Uh, but you know, in the first first three months, our whole family just we just took turns getting sick and having diarrhea and losing weight. Um, and and on top of all that, my wife and I would have all these arguments. It was uh, very dark, actually. Um, and uh, it, I, we later realized that uh, we were not. It was not. Uh, we were not special in that. Uh, it was not an isolated incident. That several of our friends who were wonderful missionaries, wonderful mature believers also had that same experience. Part of it was just, you know, changing roles and different, having to adjust to different ways of communicating and making decisions as a couple. Uh, but we're sure that there are spiritual attacks as well. And we experienced that, you know, more than once. But over time, God basically helped to equip us and helped us to learn how to try to equip others who are facing that as well. I think that, you know, through being on the mission field, uh, we did have to learn how to do things that we didn't want to do. And uh, that's, you know, one of the things that God uh, does want us to do, I think. Uh, in order for us to be different, we have, sometimes he'll, he'll lead us to places like he tells Peter, Jesus he told Peter, you'll be led to place that you don't want to go. So for me, part of that was, you know, I'm an introvert. 
and having to do lots of things with other people. This is not uh, necessarily the way that gives me energy. Um, but over time, I just did have to learn to not only do it, but enjoy it. Um, another thing that we said explicitly to pioneers that we would never do on the field was to do leadership. You know, as a physician, uh, you know, I was roped into doing leadership things in church and at work, and I never felt I had a spiritual gift of leadership. I just felt it was very uncomfortable and never wanted to do it. Uh, but of course, the way God is, if you say never, that's a dangerous word to say to God. And so at some point, we were asked to take leadership roles, and uh, it really transformed me, it transformed the way I see the role of leadership in the church and the need for leadership uh, for for missions and um, made me appreciate my leaders more uh, to pray for them and to try to encourage them and, and to feel encouraged myself when I was a leader. So, um, yeah, it, I found by experience that when you are willing to do the things that God clearly tells you to do, even if you don't want to do it, then uh, there are incredible blessings from that. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I, wow, there's so much good there. And I, I don't want to overlook the point where you mentioned when you first got to the field, there was that time of where you and Michelle were um, having those arguments and the kids, n- none of you were really healthy physically and just kind of the the overall learning curve there. And I can't help but think, man, this must be what people often have in their minds of when they give that big and then the continuous uh, yeses to God, and they take those steps of obedience and kind of that grittiness that you're talking about of, man, even though you don't want to, um, there's goodness there. But it sounds like, you know, uh, the transformation that came from that, it didn't start right at first, or at least it didn't feel like it did. So how did you guys feel? Like, where did it seem like God was in the midst of all of that? And, and what was your relationship like with him at that time? Yeah, that's a great question, Emily. I think that, um, you know, I, I, I thank God every day for my wife. My wife is so focused on God all the time. Um, you know, me, she grew up in China. I grew up in America. And so uh, we have a cross-cultural marriage. Um, but I think uh, just trying to have a commitment and trying to learn how to hear from God uh, got us through. Um, you know, when we were in leadership, uh, there were two books that I recommended all of our new missionaries on the field read. And one of them was this book by Henry Blackaby called Experiencing God, uh, mostly because I wanted people to know how to hear from God, because it's an easy read and it gives you several examples of what it means to hear from God. And I think it's an important skill for missionaries to have. Um, you know, it, I've often said that wanting to be a missionary puts you in a dangerous position because uh, automatically you think you know something that other people don't, and that puts you on a pedestal. And so uh, missionaries are at risk from that point of view of being inflexible because you feel like you go overseas, you're there to change other people. You're not going there to be changed yourself. Um, but uh, any person who's been on the field long-term will tell you, no, that's that's not the case. The field will change you. And in fact, to the degree that you're not changed, uh, you are not fully manifesting uh, what God's power can do within you. Because, you know, if you want other people to be changed, uh, you have to model it yourself. And um, and that's, you know, that's part of that risk equation, right? It's part of the, the challenge and excitement of risk, but it's also means 
dying to yourself, which is what Jesus asked us to do. Yeah. I, for one, am incredibly thankful that you were obedient to God. You um, stepped into that risk and then you allowed God to transform you. Because like you said, you had no interest in being a leader, um, especially within or, or within within uh, the church, but also pioneers. And uh, because you have, Chris, I'm gleaning from your experience because of your leadership. And so I'm glad that you said yes to that transformation. Um, and I'm, I'm actually kind of thinking now, man, what would happen then? Like, what would the consequence be if all of us kind of said no to the risk that God invites us into? What would we be denying other people or denying ourselves of the the transformation to come if we if we didn't lean into that, if we didn't take that incredible risk, that invitation. Um, so that's something to think about, actually. I'm kind of um, wondering for myself now, gosh, what have I said no to that I probably should have um, <laughs> leaned into a bit more? Um, I really want to hear more about your time on the field because I'm just so interested in how 14 years can really contribute to a person's mind and their dependency on God. So something I want to hear right now, Chris, if, if that's okay, if I ask, um, I want to sure. hear a bit about kind of your worst and then your favorite day on the field. I'm, I'm sure out of 14 years, picking one day sounds insane, but I guess I just want to hear a bit more about, you know, the thick of ministry and cross-cultural learning and language and raising kids and all these things and kind of more of, of the depth that we find ourselves in when we're in missions, but then also the mountaintop, you know, the, the, the times when we feel like, wow, there's so much triumph and joy here. So do you recall any days like that where you could kind of noticeably um, feel kind of that low and then the high? Yeah, there's, <laughs> I guess there's a lot of different stories. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, I guess one low point came uh, in our, our initial time uh, as uh, team leaders. So uh, we were at a point where everyone on our team had just been kicked out of the country. Uh, another long story. Um, that was early in our time on the field. And uh, we had to form a new team with one other person who was had not been kicked out. And this other person came from a different country. And um, that person was, was so valuable. Uh, we learned so much from that person. Uh, she had been on the field longer than us, but she did not want to be leader. And so the default by default, uh, you know, I took on that role. And I found out that that person had a very different view of team than I did. And I struggled with that a great deal because I had this fixed idea of what team should be. Um, but then uh, it was so helpful. I, I kind of, you know, one of the neat things about being in an organization or uh, even in a church, you can imagine, but even an organization like ours, where you have so many resources, so many people who are willing to speak into your life. So I reached out to uh, a number of people, including our former team leaders who have been kicked out. And um, our former team leader, uh, the uh, couple, the wife, basically, she gave me this wonderful advice that I've never forgotten, which was, you know, sometimes, Chris, as a leader, you have to give up your own idea of the way things should be to serve your team. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was very helpful. That was very humbling and it was very wise. Um, and I think, uh, you know, in terms of just joyfulness, just, uh, you know, I've never, um, I've never felt particularly uh, that I was uh, any super missionary by far. I've, I've seen a lot of people who I strongly admire 
uh, who um, were on the field. And I've learned a great deal from. And uh, but just having joy and being able to be able to communicate cross culturally with uh, uh, local uh, uh, Christian believers um, was a great joy, and just being able to share uh, my our hearts for. Uh, the gospel, not just for them, but for them to pass it on to other people. Uh, that was uh, something that was, uh, in my mind, very uh, inspiring for me, just to be able to to see local people take that and see that as as uh, something that God gave them, not something that we gave them, but that's, that's something God gave them through the scriptures and through the Holy Spirit. Uh, and just to be a part of that was uh, amazing. I like hearing that. It's I always love to hear these stories of triumph in the field because that makes it feel so uh, real, I guess, for lack of a better word. Um, and just so much something that we can look forward to is how God would invite us. But um, yeah, thank you for sharing that. I, I'm so glad that you and Michelle and your family have been so obedient to God over these years. And now people of Pioneers and beyond get to hear about your story of transformation and risk. Um, So to kind of land this plane, Chris, I really want to know, um, what are some steps that you think we could take to experience uh, the fruitfulness and even the joy of risk? I know you mentioned it. And so um, how can we embrace this practically? Yeah, I think um, it's helpful to have a group of like-minded people around you or people at least who mentor you. Um, I, I found that in my, my own life, you know, as much as I grew up in an environment where my individual accomplishments were lauded and I was told I was a great person, over time, uh, I have so uh, valued the influence of others on my life. Uh, even people who I didn't necessarily agree with, but who uh, spoke into my life and helped me see things a bit differently. Um, but, you know, especially people uh, who had the same mind of, uh, you know, passion for God and the same mind for uh, seeing the lost uh, accept Jesus or come to knowledge or have an opportunity to hear about Jesus Christ, to, to learn from them and, to, and from their example. Uh, I think the other thing for me has always been to keep that big picture of the Bible in mind. Uh, so I, I always have a sense of where I am, uh, that even if things seem to go south, I know this is that God has a bigger plan, that God has a, a purpose, and he's, he's never led us astray. You know, we've, we've seen various things happen, and uh, we've been led to, to different places we never thought we would be. Um, but God has always uh, done amazing things. Uh, I'll give you another example. Uh, you know, one time we were asked to visit a young man who was uh, a non-believing um, sibling of a local believer. And this, this person uh, was living uh, in a homosexual relationship and had been sick for months. And so... From the description I heard, he, he, he was a terrible case. He already had, this is a young man in his 20s who had bed sores, bedridden, couldn't get out of bed. And I was pretty f- sure he was manifesting signs of AIDS. And I was, you know, I'm not 
I, I don't have, I, I had a license to practice, but I didn't have access to any anti-HIV medicines or anything like that. And from a human point of view, I, I wasn't sure what we could do. And I, and we just went to see this person and try to minister to him. We prayed over him, you know, visited him several times. And, and it's not just our efforts, um, but uh, the efforts of several who went out in faith to minister to this person who on a, from a fleshly point of view, there was no hope. Um, but we had the, the distinct joy of, you know, about, I'd say maybe at least six months after we met him to see him walking, you know, at the time I saw him, he had contractures, couldn't even bend his knees from being in mm. bed for so long, but he'd started his treatment. He was walking. Not only was he walking, he left that relationship, uh, with his boyfriend and uh, committed his life to Jesus Christ. And I don't take credit for any of that. I think um, I saw the work of lots of people in that, but I also saw the work of God um, because we could have said this was a case that was no hope and why put the effort. Um, but this was a, one of those cases where, you know, God says, you should do this. And, um, and I've seen this several times where, uh, you know, oftentimes we're in this sort of results-driven culture where you just do things because, yeah, we, we do it just because it's, we, can, we think it's doable from our point of view. Uh, but in God's economy, he asks us to do the possible. And it's not that we actually accomplish it, but we get to see it and we get to participate in it. And uh, that's worth the risk in and of itself. Oh, my word, Chris. I'm very glad you shared that story. My mind is just racing right now with gratitude for you and your team. And and you had to sit in such discomfort. Um, all of you who are visiting this man, you had to sit in this pain of wondering, wow, God, how, how is this man so broken right now? His spiritual reality, his physical reality, um, you sat in that, you dwelled in it, but you did not forget the faithfulness of God. And you pursued him, you loved him, you prayed over him, and you got to experience um, him experiencing healing. Uh, and I, I think to camp out on the idea of risk and in the back of our minds, um, not forgetting that God is faithful. He is a finisher. He will finish this task um, is such a beautiful kind of hand-in-hand -hand pairing of we we are taking these risks, we are following God, and we are not forgetting that he is faithful. And I feel like that is so much of um, the courage that I hear within you and, and your team and in the story. I'm sure you have dozens of these incredible stories, but they are just um, dripping with, with sounds of, of faithfulness and courage and risk. And so, wow, I'm very glad you shared that. Uh, we were honored to hear your story today, Chris, and uh, I'm just, I feel so lucky to sit in on these conversations firsthand, and um, I really do appreciate you um, sharing this time with us, and And I know everyone listening is probably begging for more, and so please let us know when you write your book and it comes out. <laughs> I'm telling I'm my sure. wife to write her book. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, both of you, we would love to read your books. Um, but like I said earlier, thank you for helping us to learn more about this transformation um, of risk in our lives. And so we hope you all enjoyed this conversation as well. Chris, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Emily. Appreciate it. Thanks for making time for our discussion today. If you've got questions or feedback, send us a DM on our Instagram 
at Relentless Pursuit Podcast or contact us through our website at RelentlessPursuitPodcast.com. You are not alone in the relentless pursuit of God's glory. We are here with you and are passionate about helping you take your next step.